Welcome to the Prep Athletics Podcast. This is Corey Heights. Some battles. I'm, I'm not sure if they got us. If they did, maybe, maybe. So you will get better as a player during that year. So it was kind of exciting. Like, oh, yeah, somebody wants me. Welcome to the Prep Athletics Podcast. Today, my guest is Coach Mike Hart from the NEPSEC AA School, St. Andrews School, right outside of Providence, Rhode Island. Mike has a long history there. He's been there quite a long time. He's had some great players come through, even some that have made it to the NBA. And he's even uh, started the coaching careers of guys such as Richard Patino. Not Rick Patino, but Richard. So we'll get into that a little bit. But Mike, thank you so much for joining today. Thanks for having me. Mike, tell me a little, yeah, tell me a little bit about your background. You, are you originally from Rhode Island? Or are you from well, your yeah, so accent? I, um, You're obviously New, New England from your accent, but uh, tell me a little bit about your background and why you picked basketball as a sport. Well, when Dr. Naismith handed me the ball, uh, no, <laughs> I'm not that old yet. Um, yeah, I was born in, in, uh, in Providence and, um, you know, like everyone else lived around Providence, everyone else in Rhode Island, because we're only 70 by 70, you know, I've lived around Providence my whole life. And um, my father was a police officer in the city. And we moved uh, in the 70s when I was around 10 or 11 to Smithfield, which is, once again, right outside of Providence. Uh, actually, there was a movie called Outside Providence, by the way, from the 90s. It's kind of funny. We had the Ferrelli brothers. They're from outside of Providence. So they've, you know, all those, you know, something about Mary, all those. Oh, right, those, right. Those guys. You know, really funny stuff. But anyway, um, so in the 70s, we moved to a, a town called Smithfield. My father and a, and a bunch of parents got together and they set up Smithfield Youth Basketball Association. And um, I remember him telling me the first day he had 400 kids, one gym and two basketballs. And now that association still exists today. Over 2000 kids practices. We have six gyms in the town and so it was, a, it was a really neat place to, to grow up. And um, you know, I played high school basketball there. I coached there after college. And uh, we played there the other night, which was nice because they gave, you know, we were able to play them. Um, so, you know, my roots are Providence and Smithfield. And um, it, it kind of like fueled the fire with basketball. Uh, when I grew up in the 70s, Corey, you might not believe it, but the United States is more of a baseball country. You know, the national pastime. And uh, we grew up basically as ball plays, football, basketball, and baseball. Baseball and football were way more popular than basketball. Basketball caught on in the 70s, and you hear it all, all the time, Magic and Bird in college. And that's really what got college basketball going. And then the NBA, when those guys were in the NBA. So, uh, you know, now basketball is the elite sport in the country, and um, I'm glad I stuck with it. Uh, I'm a mutt. I, I – uh, you know, public high school, junior college, state university, but basketball paid the way uh, at, you know, the last two stops. And that's what I try to talk to my guys about, you know, using the prep school, um, you know, to help pay for college education. And, um, yeah, I like what we've done here the last 27 years or so. Um, but my roots are from Providence and Smithfield. And I learned uh, coaching at a small high school, and the values there. Gotcha. Did you, you did play college ball in Maine though, didn't you? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I coming out, I had a decent high school career. I went to the, we didn't have prep, you know, we had prep schools, but it wasn't quite the level it is now. 
So I went to the junior college, community college of Rhode Island, uh, played there for two years in a small school, NEI school in Maine, came down and recruited myself and three of my teammates. So the four of us went to, to University of Maine at Fort Kent together, had a great time, great careers, and um, got an awesome teaching degree. I teach college. That's what I wanted to do. Okay. So everything, all the boxes checked, and it was perfect. Um, you know, once again, they gave us scholarships, so you know, the, you know, the affordability was there and, um, and, uh, it worked. We're all somewhat successful now. All four of us are in education, work with kids. And, uh, one of them is, uh, my assistant coach, uh, associate head coach. I'm sorry, John O'Shea, you know, and, you know, John and I have, you know, it's going on for like 35 years. I think we've, uh, been working or going to school together. So it's, it's a unique relationship. So what got you in the coaching, Mike? Uh, my coach up there in Maine, his name was Larry Murphy. He, uh, back then in the eighties, he looked like I do now, uh, when I was jacked young and strong and he's like 70, but he's a dog sledder in retirement. He looks like I did in college, so wow. kind of traded places there, you know? Um, but yeah, he, uh, he thought I'd be a good coach one day cause I was a, a point guard and I said, I'm fed up with it. You know, you get to your senior year, you went through this, <laughs> It's a job in college. You get three yeah. seniors. I'm glad this is over. Um, but I came home. I got a teaching job uh, in my hometown. They talked me into coaching football and hoops. So from '88 to '94, I did. I did. Uh, I taught at this little private school in my town, and I, I I coached football and basketball. And I got you know I got the bug. Uh, I also met you know Rick Patino at Providence College basketball camp. You know I was working camps in the summertime. And I met Herb Sendek from there. And, you know, they went to Kentucky. I, I worked camp in Kentucky. Uh, Herb went to Miami, Ohio. I worked camp there. And that's where I met Sean Miller, Thad Mata, John Gross, Rob Senderoff, James Whit Whitford. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Got to, you know, then I got the St. Andrews job. We got players. I, you know, started working ABCD camp with her. Herb Sendek introduced me to Sonny Vaccaro. I started because his dad grew up with Sonny in Pittsburgh. You know, next thing I know, I'm working Louisville camp. Coach Patino's there. I, you know, he goes, can you take Richard? Richard's going to be a freshman of Providence. Richard came here for a couple of years and was my, my assistant. So it's just a big tree. And it was all because basketball is like any other business where you network and you figure out where you got to go to meet people. And, um, Back in those days, it was easier for us because you work camps. Now the NCAA has made it a little trickier with camps, and it's hard to meet people. But, you know, I moved up fairly quickly. I think the biggest role model for me was Bob Hurley, though, as far as high school basketball goes. Uh, I was lucky enough to work. He ran a camp down the street at Portsmouth Abbey School, another private school here in Rhode Island. And I and I called him and said, hey, can I work camp? I'm up the street. And I was, you know uh, – my first year here at St. Andrews and I went down to work camp and uh, you know, he had his whole team there. Danny was there and Bobby, they were playing and uh, late eighties. And I just kind of, I kind of thought it was neat that here's a guy running a high level high school program and the kids listen to him. They listen. Whereas some of the stuff I saw at college, it was more like the kids were, well, that guy needs me to win games to keep his job. So I can cut corners and I'm still going to play. Not with Coach Patino, obviously, but some of these other, you know, 
uh, colleges where I worked, you know, in the summertime. So I, I always thought, you know, in conversation with Coach Hurley, I always thought the high school job would be neat. And I think that's where I could help kids the most and, you know, get the most fulfillment. And I got lucky, Corey. St. Andrews was open. They had won before. I took the job. We went 1-21 my first year. I was 23 or 24 years old. And then, you know, a new guy came in as headmaster. And we've done it right, knock on wood. Vote. 27 years of great kids, you know, mainly, you know, with help of others such as yourself. Um, and, uh, you know, it's going to stay that way, hopefully. So, but that, that's what got me into coaching. My college coach at up in Maine and then, you know, Coach Patino and, and mainly, mainly, you know, Coach Hurley talked me in the state. I was looking for a college job and I was on the track. You know, I was meeting people. I was on the track to get one. And, um, you know, Coach Hurley, thankfully, I worked three summers for him. You know, uh, you know, I fell in love with the high school coaching model. I'm glad I did. Did he? Did did Coach Hurley actually give you advice and telling you, hey, here's why high school's better fit for you? Did Did you guys have those specific discussions all the time? Okay. And of course, the missus is there. Chris, you know, his wife, Chris, she's heavily involved. Um, he used to tell me, hey, if you ever get married and have kids, high school's a lot better than college. Yeah. Because you run the show, your wife is on board, and you're right there. You know, college, you're on the road. It's like a military lifestyle. We lose, we move, we lose, we move. He goes, unless, you know, if you're into that, that's fine. And at the time, I was single, so I really didn't pay attention to it. And then when I got married, you know, I started figuring, holy cow, he was right. And um, it just, you know, he, he always said, find a private school, run a camp, you know, raise money for the school, and then hopefully they let you bring some kids in. And that's what happened at St. Andrews. Right. And, um, you know, we've done it right in you know, we charge tuition, um, which I think all schools should do because that's what you do with regular students. And I think if you can make it a regular situation for the kid, I think that they're going to grow and you're going to get the results you're looking for. I think when you start having star rules and that's the basketball team and you can come here free, I think that's when you're going to run into your problems. And schools like that don't really last very long and they blow up and um, – you know, we've, we've had a good, we've, we've had faculty heavily involved and it's just been, it's been great. It's been a great time. Right. Now you and I have worked together, uh, you know, on a, on a bunch of players at St. Andrews over the years. I've been there about three times. It's a special place. It's, it's very relaxed. I, I when I tell families about, it, I say it's a, it's a more familial prep school than maybe another place that could be more cutthroat either on the court or in the classroom, but it just seems very relaxed and everyone's kind of on the same page there. Why don't you tell people that don't know anything about St. Andrews School, kind of give them your pitch on, hey, if I'm looking at, you know, four prep schools, here's why I should come and play for you and go to your school. Well, well, first off, you need to look at four prep schools. And um, I'll say that. And the majority of the coaches in our league, the New England Prep School Athletic Council, hopefully are saying that too, which I, I think most of the old timers will say that because there's so many good schools. Oh, there's so many good ones up here. And uh, we probably have about 100 schools playing high-level basketball. So, you know, the, the fit is the most important thing. Just like in college, the fit in prep school is the most important thing. You know, you're spending your money and you're paying tuition. you got to make sure that, that you're playing and you're getting evaluated and seen by college coaches. And I think we do a really good job with that here at St. Andrews. We have some advantages. First off, we are – 
just outside of Providence. I got you again. Right. So <laughs> we are five miles literally from Providence. You can walk a quarter mile down to the bus stop, jump on the bus, and you're in Providence for 10 minutes. So we're in civilization. You can have a normal existence. You're not out in the middle of the woods with just, you know, the gym and the weight room and the cafeteria and the dorm. You have a social life here. Uh, we run out, you know, we run weekend activities. Um, you know, we, Boston is 45 minutes away. New York City's two and a half hours. Uh, so you have options. You know, you don't get that cabin fever that you might get at some of these other places that are in the woods. We also have day students. So we are, we're kind of a hybrid day in boarding. And our day kids, you know, it, it's nice to jump you know, on a Friday night, jump in the car, go to their house for the weekend and meet their friends and family and have a home cooked meal. And although our food's good here, our food's very good. Trust me. I know. I concur. I've been there plenty of times. Right, right? So, yep. You know, it, Hey, I've gained weight in that, that cafeteria <laughs> and I've lost weight in that cafeteria. So there's a lot of healthy choices, uh, viewers out there. Um, but Friday's pizza day and I can't seem to See, the cafeteria is in between the gym and my house, mm. and I can't seem to get by there on Fridays. But anyway, um, so I think that, that's a huge advantage. We're not out in the woods. Kids can have a somewhat normal, um, you know, social life. We've also got kids from everywhere, about 20 col- uh, countries. We've got, um, you know, all kinds of ethnicities, all kinds of, you know, uh, you know uh, financial backgrounds. Uh, we're, we're really friendly we're a friendly school we're not a boarding school that is one way and um we accept all kind i refer us as a more of a blue collar boarding school yeah um and that's why i've stayed here all these years we don't big time anybody we welcome everybody and um we meet needs we have a wide wide range of programs um our, our resource program which i am a certified special ed teacher um, has been known for years because we were the first resource program that was certified in the, in the United States by the local state um, at a private school. So we're legit. If kids need, you know, extra help, you know, we've got a legit program where our teachers are certified. A lot of these schools will say learning center, the teachers aren't certified. You know, we're able to work with IEPs and everything else. We also have smaller classes so we can exit kids out of those types of services. And that's the goal. You know, that should be the goal. Um, and we're very inclusive, extremely, extremely inclusive, both with, um, you know, gender, race, you know, finances, uh, academic ability, very, very inclusive. We also have AP and we've just launched our, our IB track. Uh, you know, the International Baccalaureate Program, which we're all excited about. Um, and, you know, we, we've gone through training and that will be full time next year. So we are we service a lot, a lot of kids and we get them to where they got to go. Some kids we've sent to junior college, other kids we've sent to the Ivy League uh, and a whole bunch of kids in between. So, you know, I, I think um, that's what really makes us unique is the ability to reach all different types of kids. Uh, and then facilities. We've got, you know, we redid our dorms probably about four or five years ago. As I say, they went from the Super 8 to the Marriott, you know, within a couple of years. 
And, uh, you know, the campus was founded in 1893. So there's a lot of historical buildings on campus and a lot of history here. Um, we have 72% of our faculty that live on campus. And we're going to try to increase that number. Uh, if they don't live on campus, they live in the area. So they're able for study halls and uh, activities and study groups. Um, and then we have great athletic facilities. We have two gymnasiums. We have a multi-million dollar you know, weight room, fitness center, that's life fitness and hammer strength. Uh, and, you know, we, we get the shooting machine, key card access all over campus. So I think we get the bells and whistles uh, that the kids are looking for, but not too much where you're spoiled and you're not working. So, um, you know, I think we meet you halfway and that's should be the goal of any prep school. Yeah. One of the things that um, I talked to a lot of my guys about is if, you know, all these prep schools are beautiful. They all get great academics. Some are in the middle of nowhere. Some are in big cities like yours are. But I tell my post-grad kids specifically, not as much for the underclassmen, that you want to pick the prep school based on the coach, right? And how you jive with them, how you think he's going to help you get better, get exposure. And a guy you want to hang out with a lot because, you know, it, it's just going to be, it's just going to happen. And you and Coach O'Shea have big personalities. So what would you say, um, your coaching style is like and what, you know, if, if I'm choosing between a couple schools, why pick you as a coaching staff? Well, after coach O'Shea and I ended our modeling careers and decided to stay in coach. No, but anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, I just think that we know what you're going to get in college and that's called a job. And I don't care what level you go to, you can go to division one, big East, you go to junior college, you can go to division three or division two. It is a job. My son is a sophomore playing at division three. It's a job. He even said that to me. He says, I can't believe how many hours. And, um, you know, they'll tell you, well, there's no scholarship and you don't have to do it, but you do have to do it because the guys are doing it. And uh, I think what we do here at St. Andrews, we know it's, your, it's the last time you can really enjoy basketball. So we're going to have a lot of fun, but we're also going to work you. So you're going to get what you're looking for, but you're going to enjoy yourself. We do a lot of stuff off the court with the guys. You know, there's simple things like bowling, movies, go to the, the buffet, just simple things. You know, um, you come to the practice of playing dodgeball one day. You know, we, we got to break it up. We try to break it up. Because if you're not if you're not having fun, you're not going to get better. Mm. And a lot of kids peak out in college around their sophomore year because they're burnt out. They've they've done the weight training, they've done the individuals way too much. When they, the kids get here, we have a nine week preseason program. They know it. Okay, Friday at you know two o'clock, you're done until Sunday at 4.30. You're not going to hear from me. I don't want you playing AU. You're done. Go to someone's house. Go on a dorm trips. Be a kid. Because once November gets here, the season starts, then it is a job. Mm. So at least in the preseason, you're still going to get your six days of weight training. You're going to get your two 50-minute individual instructions that were allowed to by league rules. And you're going to get your four open gyms that we're allowed to by league rules and you're going to have college coaches coming in. All that stuff's going to happen. 
but I think that we keep it loose. We talk to the kids about other things besides basketball and we pay attention to their academics. You know, every two weeks we're in touch with the parents. We're on like a daily thing with guys where we check grades. Coach O'Shea's got five kids or six kids and I've got six. We divvy the team up half and half and we're on them. We want to make sure the grades are there. You post-grad, you're going to take four meaningful courses and then take an art, music or theater. That will give you enough time to get in the gym in the weight room a little extra if you want that college type of experience too. So I think we meet a lot of needs, uh, but we realize that these guys need to have some fun while they're going through it. It's right. stressful enough. Right. It really is. And for post-grads, you're playing at St. Andrews. You're playing. And I tell my undergrads, hey, look, you know, here's how your career is going to work. Freshman year, you'll play on the varsity. Sophomore year, if you're good enough, you'll play on the prep team. You might not get a lot of time. Junior and senior year, you're going to play on the prep team if you're good enough. But I'm recruiting post-grads. And you might want to stay on Boston. Like my sons, I had two sons that didn't play. They were both good enough for the prep team. They both played on varsity because they got more playing time. They made all state and they had more recruiting options. I got a very good guy who does our varsity, former player, and the kids are getting coached and then their models the same as ours. So, you know, I have a commitment to the four, three, four or five post-grads that we bring in every year. They're going to play. It's their last stop. Hmm. And we're going to get them the minutes they deserve. So I, that's, that's pretty much why they enjoy Coach O'Shea and I, we, we keep it loose. You know, there's mutual respect. We're total opposites. I'm five foot nine and handsome, and he's six foot nine and ugly. And that's why, no. But he is, you know, politically, we, I won't talk politics with students because you're not supposed to as a teacher, but we're on, he says we're on total opposite ends of the po- political spectrum. I kind of see myself in the middle, normal, where he sends, tends to be, He's in, I'll just let, I'll let you know, he's an environmental science teacher, Corey. Okay. You figure out what he likes, what he doesn't like. But anyway, but we meet halfway. It works. I have the last say in everything. He is absolutely brilliant. I've never seen a better defensive mind than John O'Shea. They do stuff I don't even know. Matter of fact, he missed a game two years ago. I couldn't call the defense. I had to have my point guard call the defense because I didn't understand it. But the kids did. And then he drives the bus, which is huge. Right. Because I can't drive the bus, you know. Um, and uh, he got us out of a snowstorm in Bangor, Maine one time. But I don't have enough time to tell the story. But, you know, we, we have it. We have, we, and I think anyone that comes back, all the alumni, they'll tell you the same thing, that uh, the relationships that we build are important, not only to the kid, but very important to us. We want to give them a home for life. You don't get that in a lot of prep schools. The kids kind of use the school. The school uses the kid. The kid leaves. Not at St. Andrews. It's family. As a matter of fact, the postgrads are probably more active than anyone else. And uh, we were in high school for so long. I was worried about postgrads. And now I wish we had done it sooner. Mm. Um, our last alumni game two years ago, we had 83 guys come back, which was awesome. It was a great time. About 40 played. Um, and the other guys socialized. And they were here for two days. It was awesome. You know, the current players were here in camp. It was just great. So uh, we keep it loose. We enjoy ourselves. We want the kids to enjoy themselves. 
That's great. That's a good description there. Um, and that, that is what makes you guys different. Some places are serious. Some places are more academic. That's why it's key to look at multiple prep schools and see which one you as a, as a player, which one, which system you want to go into. Right. So it, it really so comes we, down I mean, to we're the gonna family. work. We, we work extremely Absolutely. hard. But we we, want we to have won a title too. two years ago too. So like it shows, yeah. I mean, you're beating some big time teams with big time players um, doing it the way you're doing it. So let me ask you this. One of your specialties and one of your things you're known for is developing overlooked big men, right? And they usually range between six, seven and six eleven. And you have success over the years to include some of the guys I've sent there and getting them developed and getting them scholarships. When, when did that start that that's kind of, the route you wanted to take versus maybe taking a guy already with offers that was a more of a mid to high major. Like why this niche of big guys? Hey, Corey, it's, it's really funny because we were always guard you, you know, like um, when I got here in 94, my team was awful. They were great kids, man. I love them to death, um, but they couldn't play basketball. And, uh, you know, obviously I fell in love with the three point line through coach Patino. One game, we shot 52 three-point shots. We made six, by the way. Wow. <laughs> right? So we were always a, this three-point shooting team. But we were, we were, we were a three-point shooting team because we had serviceable big guys. And, you know, we're lucky enough to recruit here. And our first serviceable big guy was a guy by the name of Joshua Odabella. You know, he, um, his mom and dad were from Nigeria, but they had moved to Providence when they were kids. And, uh, you know, it came from a very, um, you know, strict education first background. And I ran into him at a camp when he was 14. He was like six, six. And I said, wow, this kid's got a chance to be pretty good. And mom and dad were like, no academics, academics, academics. So they really didn't pay attention to St. Andrews. Well, I had this kid, Tony Robertson, come here, who was like the pillar of our program. Local kid. He needed us. We needed him. Everybody in the world recruited this kid. Bill Reynolds, who was a big-time sports writer, took a personal interest. So that's how he really grew. And then one day I get a call from Josh's dad, and he brings Josh up. Now, Josh is now 6'8". Mm. And I said, great. But I always went back to the Rick Pitino mentality of five guys – who can do all five things on the court. And, you know, when Providence made that run to the final four in 87, his big guys were shooting threes. And everyone's like, what's a six, nine guy shooting threes. So, and then of course I fell in love with Paul Westhead's, you know, Loyola Marymount style. And he had that guy per steamer, the German guy who just shot the lights out six, eight, six, nine. So Josh came in all of a sudden, He's shooting threes. And I said to him, I said, Josh, you're already ahead. Now we're going to teach you the post game. Mm. And he learned the post game. We got him to Hartford in two years. Matter of fact, we won a cha New England championship, 106-98. We beat Primer May in 1999. And I forget, he had the best performance I've ever seen in a New England final. 44 points and 26 rebounds. He had 10 dunks. He was three for three from three-point range. Like, he was like a, it was like a Bill Walton final four type game. We missed two shots. And, um, you know, he went to Hartford. He had a decent career at Hartford, but that kind of started the fact that we went from all guards shooting threes to like a six, eight kid. We still took around 30, 35 threes a game, which was high back then. A lot of people were doing like 
Steve Kerr should be paid me royalties, you know, you know, small ball or all this stuff. You know, I was doing that in 94, you know, I'm waiting for the check, you know, but anyway, so, you know, Josh led to other guys that were like between six, six and, and, you know, our first seven footer was a kid by the name of Keen Sullivan from Ireland. And uh, we got him through a contact at the Brooks school, you know, another new England prep school, John McVay, unbelievable coach there. He and his dad, his dad's a legendary high school coach. They work camp out in Ireland. So now I get this kid, Keen Sullivan coming in because Brooks doesn't take postgrads. We take him seven, two. He really developed. He went to LaSalle. Um, and then all these guys in between Keen was in like 2015, 16 range. Um, you know, we had a kid, Cedric Quacamenta, you know, from Worcester came in as a repeat junior and uh, brilliant sent them to Brown university. He's the all time leading shot block and rebound in Ivy league history. Now Wow. Uh, where before he had division three recruiting. Um, but then, you know, your guy, Nevin Zink, nobody, Recruited Nevin Zink. Nobody. And when he got here, I said, this is a big, strong, tough kid who can play. These guys are crazy. And uh, someone took a chance on him at, you know, University of South Carolina Upstate in the Big South. And the other night, his, you know, he had 20 points and 10 rebounds. He He's been starting reading, every ready. single game. He's played there, crazy. too. Yeah. He just got the all-academic award in the Big South for the entire conference, all sports. Really? I just, you know, so wow, that's big time. I think I'll say this, John O'Shea, not only is a six foot nine guy, he develops those guys. You know, he teaches them, you know, not only on the offensive end, but on the defensive end. And John, when we played in 86, when the three point line came down, he also shot the three point shot. So he was able to be at the top of the key, shoot the three, reverse the ball, you know, you know, come down the post, you know, reposition in the post, like footwork. He's got, you know, very, very good teacher of the post. And um, I, I think that, yeah, we, you know, that's our goal. Our goal is to take the under the radar post guy. And, and, and Adam Finkelstein pointed that out from NERR and ESPN. He says he's never seen anyone get kids to college like we do, who no one's ever heard of. The other guy's Keegan Records that comes to mind. Here's a Rhode Island kid down the street, 6'8", which we don't have. And I, I actually thought he was a Division three kid. Um, you know, I just didn't think he had the speed and quickness. And he came here for a year. We've never had a guy. Nevin's a close second. But Keegan Records, oh, my God, did that kid improve one year where he had multiple, multiple Division one offers by the end of his prep school year. And he was a good enough student that Colgate took him. He now starts at Colgate and was – all rookie last year in the Patriot League. So, yeah, I appreciate that comment, but, but I'll get back to John O'Shea's, you know, efforts. And and um, we want five guys to play five spots. We've had guards post up. You know, we, we've got, you know, Jordan, you know, Braithwaite's here now, you know, for, for Maryland, you know, 6'7 kid. Um, he played more as a, a mo move, moving four, mobile four in high school. He's out in the wing for us now. He's bringing the ball up. You know, he can rebound and go coast to coast. Um, so we want guys doing everything. That's our goal. But, yeah, the big guys are the ones that get noticed. Yeah, talk to me. You're, you're very active on Twitter about giving your feedback to NCAA rules. 
um, giving feedback to coaches that are overlooking your players and you have a track record. And Jerry Quinn said this on our interview. He said, guys, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been doing this for 25 years, just like you have been. Take my word for it. And you, it seems like Jerry's having that problem. How is that? How is recruiting, getting your guys seen right now during COVID? How is that? How is that going right now? And is this, I mean, because you've been making those tweets even before COVID. So kind of tell me like what ideally you'd like to see college coaches do when you call them. And I'll try God. Yeah, go for I mean, go for it. Yeah. Just, I mean, just give me your thoughts on like college recruiting, your past, and then how it is now with COVID. There's got to be a trust factor involved here. You know, it, it, you want college guys have, I, I, I hate to say it this way. They have to win games to keep their jobs. Okay. You got a guy like Jerry Quinn, 43 years, 1,100 wins, nominated for the basketball fame. You got another guy, Whit LeJure, 40 years, maybe, close to 1,000 wins. We will eventually, you know, we're working on getting him nominated also. I've been doing it for 27 years, you know, six, 700 wins. You're talking like hundreds of kids that we've, we've all sent to every level of basketball and they've played like check the record. These kids have played and they played right away. Most importantly, they've been ready to play Mm -hmm. at that level. We're not going to, we're not going to oversell kids. Okay. I can tell you right now from St. Andrews, you're going to get a kid who is going to, is going to behave. You know, and they, you hear this character, 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 but who's actually like, where does it really mean something? Okay. It means something at St. Andrews. You're going to get a guy who's going to behave. You're going to get a guy who loves the gym. You're going to get a guy who loves the weight room. Don't get me wrong. They're college kids. They might have some fun, you know, make a mistake or two, but overall they're solid. And they're going to be on, if I'm calling you, they're your level. They're your level. The term reach school doesn't exist with me only because I've seen it all and we don't have a lot of time. So if a kid comes in with no recruiting and tells me to call John Calipari at Kentucky, I'm not calling Coach Cal. And I've known him since the late 80s when he was an assistant at Pittsburgh. You know, I'm not going to do that, okay? I like the dream, don't get me wrong, but it's got to be realistic. And we don't have a lot of time. So, you know, I, you know, we watch you play. We have you come in. I, you know, once again, we take the bubble kid. We let him dream the dream. Dream of the dream would be, I got Division two recruiting. Can you hook me up at maybe a Fairfield, you know, or, or Maine or Central Connecticut? You know, that's more appropriate. You know, I get, I get these guys, these international guys come in. No, I got a guy from Ireland right now, 6'8 kid. No one knows about him. No one knows. He is awesome. Not sure if he's Division One player, definitely a Division Two kid, because he can guard on the perimeter at that size. And that's how Division Two plays. Okay. And um, you know, so I'm I'm calling a lot of Division Two schools for the kid. So within re- you know, within reason, you know, if he blows up at an event and I got Division One, I, I had a kid in 2010 named Yuri Daisy, six seven kid, blew up at the national prep school thing. Next thing I know, I got Kent State. You know, I got Toledo, 
we've got, you know, Longwood, all these schools calling me on them. I said, Yuri, what do you want to do? I'm going to Brandeis coach. I said, division three. He said, yep. I got my package. Uh, he qualified for a lot of money, you know, uh, but then he had the academic piece. So he went to Brandeis paying next to nothing, you know, that he qualified for. And he had a terrific, terrific career. Junior, you know, division three, all American, I believe. Got an unbelievable degree, international business. He speaks French fluently. He's on this plane to that country. He is killing it, making big money with this co company. And he said, if he had to do it all over again, he would have done the same exact thing. So I think the identification piece is going to be there on our end. Therefore, the college coaches should trust, should trust experienced guys way more. And they're not. They're not. It's funny because when they need a guy, who do they call? Right? But Mike, why, why aren't they trusting you? Why aren't they trusting the prep school coaches based on your track record? And why, who and would they be I'll trusting stick, instead of you? I'll stick up for them. I'll stick up for them. Because of COVID, they're confused. They don't know what's the NCAA going to let us do. You know, a lot of guys want to see people live. Now they can't. All right. They can't see this class live. And they can't see the juniors in the spring lot either. Okay, which hurts. Okay. They don't know. All right, the NCAA says these kids who are playing 20 and 25 games this year, and that includes some of my guys, can come back and repeat the year in college. I don't know if I agree with that. That kills the class. Then there's the transfer portal, which we don't have a lot of transfers from St. Andrews, but I had a guy last year transfer, and he's he's playing right away. So that benefited him. Not sure I agree with that, okay? I think the guy still should sit out and really think about why am I transferring, okay? Um, you know, so the college coaches have those three things working, but then I think they make a big mistake. And I can say it. I've been an AAU coach. I think they put too much stock in the AAU coaches. I can say it because I've coached AAU, right. and it's not the same. And I'll defend the AU coach also. You know, you are you might have a practice a week and again in tournaments. Some programs have two. There's guys who do an unbelievable job, no doubt. But AAU is for exposure. It's for exposure. Some programs do develop kids, don't get me wrong. It's for exposure and competition because you do have a lot of very good players. But they're not handling the academic piece, the social piece. They're not with the kid and family day to day they're not getting the picture they're not getting the picture that you're getting and that's huge because the, these college guys are talking about character and will he fit on campus will he do that and a lot of these guys they're listening to um they don't know because they're not there and we're on campus i know if a kid can make it in the dorm you know i, I know if a kid has money for the weekend you know field trips you know how involved are the parents? I know that. All right. Some of these, uh, you know, some of the AU guys, and including me when I was an AU coach, you don't get that feel. And the games are different. The games are different. You got, you know, knock on wood at St. Andrews, we're going to pack the gym every game. We're packing it. And I've been to EYBL. That's the closest you're going to get to the actual real college basketball. High school, college, very similar. AAU, NBA, very similar. Styles of play. 
very similar. So if I'm a college coach, I, I have to see the kid play at the high school level too. And that means you need to trust the high school coach or the, even, even more so the prep school coach. Right. You need to trust those guys. And they're not right now. And they need us more than ever. Now, that's not everybody. That's not everybody. But I wish more of them would. would. I got one guy, a junior college coach. I talked to him yesterday. We did a Zoom with one of my guys. He's like, he's in. Let me know. Hasn't seen him play yet. But I've sent five other kids there. All five mm. were tremendous. He got to the national tournament with those guys. And I'm talking over a 10-year period. And he placed those guys at least at the Division II level and moved on. So it's it's a trust factor. Yeah, it's got to be frustrating for you. I mean, just, yeah. you know, obviously I'm drinking the Kool-Aid because I'm in the prep school world like you are. But, yeah, every factor you just mentioned. And just being away from home, too. You might have a great AU kid who's still living at home with mom and dad. Once he gets on campus, that's going to be a big transition there to where all prep school kids that are that are boarding – have gone through that homesickness period already, right? They've got that it's emotional college. maturity. Yeah. That's why we call it prep school. Mm-hmm. It's college. It's, um, and, and we're lucky enough that we're in a league that is doing the same thing we're doing. Like all those schools are doing the same thing we're doing. So now you're really, you're not playing high school basketball. You're playing college level basketball. Right. So you're really, you're getting prepped for college. I mean, it's just based on, how it's going so so far this year trying to place your kids during COVID. Is this changing how you're going to recruit next year's kids? Uh, it probably should, but it, I won't do it. I just, yeah. I love the type of kid that comes to St. Andrews. I just have more of a, a good feeling that we're not only helping them with school and basketball, but more importantly, life and you know Corey you've known me long enough that's not a line that's a that's the God's honest truth you know these guys call me all the time and I call them and I'm talking to everybody I'm not talking like just the stars or the alleged stars that have gone through here I, I got a guy he blew his knee out during a prep school I felt so bad for him He's playing division three basketball you know I'll connect with them every every couple months and he connects with me and his family sends me a Christmas card. Like, like, I don't think I'm going to change what we're doing. I love the under the radar bubble kids. Hey, it makes it tough on me personally. Like springtime is hell for me because I have all springtime signees. Right. And I'm with them. I'm with them. We went into June last year. Thank God I had film to finally place my last two kids. I went into June and, um, that got scary, but I had, I had a really good feeling about these two kids and they got, and they were good and they're doing great. You know, the coach, they all, they both ended up at division two school in New England and the coach was like, wow, I should have signed these kids in November. I said, yeah, you should have, you know? So it's, um, every college coach thinks there's another better player out there. So I'm going to hold off. I'm not like that at St. Andrews. I know what we're looking for. And as soon as I see the kid, I'm going to try to convince admissions to go, go after him hard mm. and get him. And then that's it. Last year, this group I have now, we had them all done by April 1st. All of them. I knew exactly, you know, through, you know, your efforts and some other people I know. And, you know, I work my camps in the summer and make connections. 
I knew exactly what we needed for our team to A, be competitive, which is important, don't get me wrong, and B, more importantly, get along and thrive on campus. Um, and then C, get into college. So, uh, we, and we got that done. It's just something called COVID hitting through that curveball. Right. You know, Nolan Ryan never had a curveball. He threw the heater right at you. And he was like, Let, you got to hit the heater, right? I respected that, you know, but then you get the Phil Negro knuckleballer and those guys, you know, those guys were really tricky. And that's what's going on right now. And I'm losing respect for COVID and it better end. <laughs> it better end. I'll write, the, I'll write COVID a note and let them know your opinion. I appreciate that. that. <laughs> let yeah. me ask you, give me an example without naming names here of a kid that came to you guys for a post-grad year and it didn't work out. Like why, in what instance did that not work? And is there a lesson there you can give some other kids? The good news is I have to think about it. That's great news, yeah. Because we are really careful on our, our post-grads. All of our kids, uh, just gotta be, we're just trying to make sure it's the right fit, you know. Um, if you don't have anyone, that's, that's great. I had one guy, well, maybe the guy I was talking about. Um, no, no, I did have a kid leave. I did have a kid leave. I almost forgot. He was a big kid. He was a great kid. Um, he graduated from high school. The college called me on. They said, if you take him for a year, he's got a scholarship with us the following year. He came to the school. Um Good player, 6'11", very good player. I was saying to my, you know, Coach Roche, where is everybody? This kid's really good. But he had grown like three inches and, and didn't play AAU. And once again, I'll go back and, and defend AAU now because uh, I still think it, it's, it's – of course it's needed. But he had grown three inches and people didn't really see him. And um, he got here in the fall. I was like, this kid is good. And I called the college and sent them. And they said, can you keep it on the down low? I said, I don't know. We had 75 coaches in here in the fall. I don't know. I think word's getting out. But after about five or six weeks of, of structure, he was homesick. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, he missed his girlfriend who was back calling him, you know, back home calling him all the time. And he very quietly came up to me and said, I got to leave. And, um, and it kind of threw us in like a tailspin because with him, we had a really strong team that year. And without him, we had to make adjustments. And, uh, you know, plus I don't replace kids. Like some of these schools are a revolving door, not at St. Andrews. Once you're here, if you leave, you're not going to high five the next kid coming in. We just, we don't do that. I don't believe in doing that. Um, I don't think you can create the family atmosphere that you're looking to create. So, so this guy went home um, and it was a shame because then he, you know, he wasn't in school. He was, you know, I called him to check on him. He's like, coach, I'm the tallest stock boy in Walmart history, but I'm happy. And I, and I said to him, you know what? I respect that. If you don't know what you want to do with your life, take some classes and figure it out. I said, I respect that. Instead of blowing money, you know, um, and then because people want you to do this and that, I respect that. Um, and another one of my kids stepped up. We ended up in the, we ended up in the final four anyway, but with him leaving, it opened up another opportunity for another kid. And that kid ended up at Bucknell. Mm. So he might not have ended up there because he, he wouldn't have been pro, you know, the, 
you know, as much. Uh, we also had another big kid I sent to an NEI school out in California that's big time, Division One, and a uh, great coach. And he got out there and he discovered something called surfing. Mm-hmm. And uh, a six foot nine kid on a surfboard. <laughs> and after a year of playing there, he decided surfing was more important than, than playing college basketball. Um, and coach called me and we talked about it. Um, and uh, I was a little disappointed in that. But otherwise, it, it's really hard to remember kids not really doing well because we're careful about who comes in. Um, yeah. It's going to be a good fit. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, one of the last few questions here. You've had a couple guys that you know have been in the NBA um, or in, you know overseas or McDonald's All American game recently. Tell me what made those guys professionals and in, in the top of their game. What what separated them from maybe the other players you've coached? And you can give examples of the names too. So well, what made, you're talking about two things made them two things. Well, three things. First and foremost, they came from outstanding family families. Hmm who let us coach their kid. And that's the one thing I want to pass on to families, parents. Let the coach coach your kid, please. All right? The second thing is their work ethics. You know, high school kids nowadays have better work ethics, um, I think, than I did when I grew up. And, and, and it, people might look at me weird because they have more options but they really don't have more options. And here's why, okay? I know they got the computer stuff going on and the video games, trust me, I got a t- uh, 10th grader who's got the whole mic set up and everything. It's like a studio in his room. Um, but they also have more access than we had. They have, I didn't have a rec center to go to. I didn't go outside and play. These guys can go to like a rec center. There's a gym, air conditioned. They can go in and work out. We didn't have the fitness center weight room availability. Just think about it. When I grew up, Gold's gym was just getting going. Mm-hmm. I remember we had sand weights in my basement. A lot of people didn't have that. You know, we ordered from the Sears catalog. So, you, you know, and the third thing is I come from an Italian household, Federal Hill, Providence, Rhode Island, Sicilian. You think my mother talked about nutrition? with me no way these kids grow up oh that's a car that's a protein i think i'm going to try being vegan you know and the kid's 10 years old (laughs) like we didn't have any of that stuff so even though they have more distractions than we had they still have better opportunities than we had so that whole gang of kids their work ethic was outstanding before they got to st andrews and then it doubled when they got here you know, and then the other thing is, you know, they, they just, they got it. They were professional and they behaved. We don't have star roles. So Michael Carter Williams, you know, was as important as my manager who climbed up on a ladder one day and changed three bulbs on our scoreboard, which I couldn't do, you know, and that manager now is running four restaurants and like telling it. Matter of fact, he was down in Orlando a couple weeks ago hanging out with Michael, you know? So like everyone's the same here. You know, our announcer is called the voice of the saints. 
we had a kid for six years. He was he, he, in our middle school and he did it. And uh, we put a beer on the wall for him. So, you know, we, we retired his mic along with numbers and jerseys. It's that important to us. So I, I think, I think those three things, the family, the work ethic and the lack of star rules, you know, you know, which leads to good character and good behavior with kids. I think that's why they are where they are. But they right. just, you can see the development. Fonzie Colson, 14 years old. Hey coach, he's going to play in the NBA in eight years. Yeah, right. You're right. There's no way that 14 year old kid is going to play in the NBA, but he got in with Michael Carter Williams and Cedric Quackamensa. Those guys were here when he was here and he learned how to work. Unbelievable family, unbelievable family, you know, and uh, we held him accountable. You know, he, I mean, Sports Illustrated, this story is seen here at, at uh, Notre Dame. It was all three pages in Sports Illustrated. Pictures from Greece. He was sunny in Greece, the musical. He missed the entire preseason his senior year. Matter of fact, my whole team did because all 12 of them were in the musical. And, and that's what I want. I want whole kids. I want, to, I want to be able to have a conversation. I don't want it to be all basketball. Right. And, that, and to see those guys at that level. You know, Demetrius Nichols was our first NBA guy. And Demetrius, and I publicly, I can share his story. Demetrius had a stuttering and stammering issue and was a third grade reader when he came to St. Andrews. We almost did not take him. That kid, when he left here, was a college level kid in four years. And I, I have tears in my eyes watching him. He's got his podcast. He's, he's on ESPN Plus. You know, he did the, uh, what game did he do the other night? I think he did Canisius and... Sienna the other night. Um, he's just, in the, I mean, here's a kid who had stuttering and stammering issues, right? And now he has a degree from Syracuse in speech communications, and he's killing it in the broadcast world. You talk about a story. So, so you know, and he played the NBA, played overseas, total of 17 years professionally. So, I mean, I think those three things we do really well. And we can we can get we can get certain guys. We've had four NBA guys. You know, we've had four NBA guys. I'd say five, but one kid didn't work out here. He was here for a year, didn't buy in, and he had to leave. But he also played in the NBA. So that bad for a small school of 200 kids in Barrington, Rhode Island. Um, but we've also got lawyers and we have a dentist now, which is great because I'm gonna go see him in a few weeks. Um, and we have, you know, we have policemen. We got teachers, we've got, you know, guys running businesses and I'm proud of them all. They're great. They're the best. Yeah. Well, that's good to share right there. Uh, and that's the thing, the work ethic. That's, that's, you know, every coach I ask who coaches NBA guys, it's, it's a common denominator work ethic in there in the gym when no one else is in there doing the boring work day after day. So that's just, that sounds about right. Last question here, Mike, when you're not, doing stuff with athletics or scoreboards or mopping the floors or doing practice or calling coaches. What are your, what are your hobbies outside of basketball? I, I try, I try to spend time with the family. And I, once again, here, I can do it. If I was a college coach, it'd be tough, but um, yeah, you know, I, I was single for a long time. I met an unbelievable woman. Um, we got married and I picked up three kids in the transaction uh, and they, they're awesome. 
they're awesome. You know, one kid's graduating from college this year. Another guy's a sophomore college. And then my young guy's a sophomore here at St. Andrews. And they are just tremendous. I love them to death. They've been great. And we try to do as much family stuff as we can. Uh, I still connect my family. Um, you know, my sisters uh, still live in the area. My brother moved to Myrtle Beach. Uh, my father was a big golfer when I was growing up. He discovered Myrtle Beach in the 70s. I've been going on there for a long time. Great place in South Carolina. Um, my father lives in Tampa, ironically, on a golf course. So I try to do a lot of family stuff. Uh, I love to read, but above all, I love to eat. Mm. And that's probably cooking and eating probably my, you know, unofficial hobby. Uh, we've got a great faculty here, Corey. We all live on campus. And we, we, have, we have a nice little... Uh, you know, it's good to be able to hang out with people you work with and not talk about work. Mm-hmm. And um, so so that, that's what I, we tend to do. We tend to socialize a lot and, you know, uh, help each other out. And uh, just a great, great time here at St. Andrews. Great time. Yeah. Well, you're one of the, you know, one of my more favorite, not more favorite, that's terrible English there, but you're one of my favorite prep schools to stop in and visit because, you know, obviously a lot of my guys have gone there. It is so relaxed. It's it's good hanging with you and O'Shea and, and, and shooting the, you know, shooting the bull. But, um, you know, and I love what, reading your tweets, too. Everyone, I suggest reading Mike's tweets because they're very informed. He usually says things that a lot of coaches can't say. And usually it's about recruiting and, and what, you know, coaches are missing and what the NCAA is doing wrong. And it's just it's, it's pretty informative. So. Mike, I consider you a friend, a brother. Uh, I'm looking forward Same to here. yeah, working with you for many, many years to come. And I think you shared a lot of good information today that, that folks will learn from. So thanks again, Mike. Thanks for having me, Corey. All right, this is, yeah, this is the Prep Athletics Podcast, NEPSEC AA coach at St. Andrews School outside Providence, uh, Mike Hart. And uh, thank you all for joining.